This is the Yokogawa Australia and New Zealand podcast. Welcome to the Yokogawa Debunks conversations with industry experts to demystify misconceptions we hear in process instrumentation and industrial automation. I'm your host, Sean Carhill, and thank you for joining us again. Now, in past episodes, we've had interesting discussions around cybersecurity, gas chromatography, and wireless instrumentation. Today's topic's moving on to that of liquid analyzers, and more specifically the myths involving the maintenance. Now, with us today, we've got Yokogawa's Nick Crow. Uh, Nick has been product manager at Yokogawa for analytical products and has been with the company for over 15 years. His domain expertise in the analytical business is second to none, so welcome today to the podcast, Nick. Hi, Sean. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm uh, really looking forward to um, going through these, these myths with you. Thanks, Nick. Now, I want to start with our conversation by um, just posing a couple of questions to you in line of, of some of the myths that are, uh, that are out there. And the first one is, is whether the maintenance-free analyzer is a myth. You know, is there such a thing as a self-cleaning, self-calibrating analyzer, or, or is that a unicorn? Uh, perhaps a unicorn is a, is a good way uh, to describe the maintenance-free side of things. Yeah, I think really the idea behind uh, a maintenance-free process analyzer is just as much of a, a wish as it is a myth. But really we can understand where the requirement is coming from. We, we see in industry at the moment there's a great focus on operations trying to reduce the amount of maintenance in the plant. And perhaps there can be quite a few drivers for that, such as we, we don't want to have operators and maintenance staff active in a, in a live plant. Perhaps there's hazardous environments that we, we don't want them to be working in. But also there's a, a push to reduce the, the operating costs on the plant, and maintenance can be a large part of that. But as we also know, there's a lot less staff available, and the staff that are available don't have those years of, of expertise to back them up when they're out in the plant. Now, unfortunately, analysers are are quite a maintenance-intensive instrument, so it's quite common for us to see uh, or hear the requests for the self-cleaning and self-calibrating system. And such devices are available in the marketplace. However, after implementation, often the focus for maintenance moves away from the the analyzer itself to maintaining that self-cleaning, self-calibrating system. So I think the reason is uh, when we're using a, a liquid analyzer in a nasty process, the analyzer requires much more maintenance than it would in a clean process. So it seems to be the nasty processes that attract the attention of the self-cleaning, self-calibrating system. However, unfortunately, they're just not suited to that nasty process. They, they rely on O-ring seals and smooth operation. Uh, when you combine that with a, a process slurry or something like that, it just doesn't work together. So I can certainly see why such a uh, such a myth persists out there. I mean, you know, why use such a complicated device and why not just use a, a maintenance-free sensor? That's a, a very good point. And with some measurement parameters, you know, this has almost become uh, achievable. With analytical sensors, the real challenge is that we require 
the element of the sensor to be in contact with the process. Therefore, the, that process has an influence on what's happening with the sensor. Uh, and as we mentioned, nasty processes require a lot more maintenance. The nastier the process, the, the more effect it has on, on the sensor itself. So some measurement parameters, uh, such as conductivity, uh, have developed to a point where we can almost achieve maintenance-free. So with conductivity, it's common to use a a method uh, known as inductive conductivity. And when we do that, we can protect the analyzer elements behind a plastic housing. So it's isolated from the process. However, a lot of plants will still have a a standard operating procedure, an SOP, which means these things have to be checked and maintained periodically. If we look at other sensor types like pH or or dissolved oxygen, they can't be protected behind plastic and they have to be in in contact with the process. And pH, unfortunately, is one of the most common analytic measurements, but it's also one of the most maintenance intensive. So we have to get in there. Unfortunately, some people are simply looking for a way to to avoid doing maintenance at all. But really, as I say, it has to be done. And if you're not doing it, you know, you really risk losing the information, uh, the purpose of the measurement in the first place. So it was obviously put in there to, to contribute to the smooth operation of the plant. And if you're not doing it, uh, you don't know if your sensor is responding to changes and so on. So it could be detrimental to, to your operation. I can certainly see that, you know, reducing maintenance is going to be priority for money. I mean, you know, most sites, uh, they are struggling for personnel. They they have a lot of pressure on them from a a budgetary perspective and just time in general. So is is there any solution to to, to this problem? Kind of. Almost there is. Um, I suppose the user should always try and remember that on analyzer maintenance will have to be done. It's unlike a, a pressure transmitter or a magnetic flow meter or something like that, where we, we tend to have a, a set and forget type attitude. With analyzers, we have to do it, as we say. And the second thing that we, we need to remember is that nobody seems to want to do it either. You don't very often find analyzer technicians. Um, they're pretty, pretty rare. Uh, so really what, what we should try and focus on is matching uh, a sensor to the process. So. Vendors, including us at Yohogawa, we have lots of choice for different sensors. And we do our best to try and match that to the process that you have so that we can try and minimise the maintenance. Also, you need to uh, remember that it has to be accessed. So don't put the sensor in a place where no one can get to it or if you need to have a scaffold or something set up to get to it because some of these measurements can require maintenance uh, daily. Other measurements might require maintenance you know every month or six weeks or so on but it's also important to consider the capabilities of your maintenance team as well so we need to make it as easy as possible and as simple as possible as i mentioned no one wants to do it so if we can try and design a system with a consultation of the end user uh, to try and make it as easy and as user-friendly as possible hopefully that maintenance will be done and you'll get uh, satisfactory or, or pleasant results from your analyzer well, there's some very sensible and, you know, good good advice and good guidance there, which, uh, you know, hopefully our listeners today are going to uh, are going to be able to take away as, as valuable. But coming out of that, I, I guess, you know, now that we know that sensors do actually need some maintenance, what what generally is the maintenance frequency for the sensor? Well, that's, that's a really 
common question that we get. And it's possibly the hardest and perhaps even impossible to answer. But we often get asked this when people are considering installing a new analytical measurement or perhaps when someone's hoping that they're going to replace another one that they're dissatisfied with. As I mentioned, it's really not possible to answer. We've already talked about how the sensor has to be in contact with the process. And we all know that each process is is different. Uh, so each process is going to affect the sensor in a different way. Therefore, you know, maintenance intervals are going to be different as well. Perhaps a, a hot process, for example, will increase the frequency that you're likely to have to perform maintenance. An abrasive process as well might increase that frequency as well. So really, I generally try to advise people to start with a, a scheduled maintenance routine, maybe do it weekly, for example. And then at each time you do that maintenance, check for drift, uh, how far it's drifted uh, from the last time you did the maintenance. And then that way you can eventually start to determine if you need to do maintenance more frequently or less frequently. Uh, Some analyzers in the market, uh, including ours, can actually do this for you. Um, They will determine if you're maintaining enough or if you can prolong the period between maintenance. It just depends on how you record the maintenance and how you perform calibrations and things. So I think it's easy to see here that that it it is a a relatively complicated solution here. However, that uh, with the right maintenance routines and schedules and checks in place, it can actually simplify itself over time. And I I think this is uh, a a great piece of advice for for people in putting together their, their schedules and their maintenance routines. Now, Nick, I think we've only just started to uncover some of the truths behind these misconceptions about the the maintenance-free sensor, and there's there's still an awful lot more to cover. We'll finish this session here now, but you know, please join us in part two of this series of Yokogawa Debunks, where Nick will continue busting the myths with us. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me, Sean. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for listening. 